Happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath. All right, I was trying to get my music together, but it was such short notice. No, you can just follow me. It's each one and each one. Today a man is somewhere proclaiming the good news. Winning families to Jesus all around his neighborhood. He tells them that God is able to make their house a home. He wants to win his world for Christ, but he can't do it alone. But each one can reach one. As we follow after Christ, we all can lead one. Jesus is the way if we each one reach one. The message is unchanging going into all the world and share the love of Jesus far away or door to door you see just like somebody told you that Jesus loves you so you must tell someone who will tell someone until the whole world knows that each one if you know it can sing can reach one as we follow after Christ, we all can lead one. We can lead one to the Savior. Then together we can tell the world that Jesus is the way. If we each one read. take our Bibles and turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, and we're down to chapter 16, verses 9 through 14. Mark chapter 16, starting with verse 9. When you found it, say amen. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. 
And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared to another in another form to two who walked and went into the country. And when they told it to the rest, but they didn't believe them either. And later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. I don't believe I've ever read that piece and thought about it. May the Lord add his blessing this morning as our pastor continues his study in the book of Mark. Life comes with disappointments. You've experienced them, haven't you? We all have. My son had had an accident with his car, and the car was so badly damaged that it was totaled. Thankfully, he was not totaled. He was not, he was not really injured too badly. Um, so we're thankful for that. This was several years ago. Now, after he got out of the, the uh, hospital where he was examined and, and he was going to be okay and he's recovering after a couple of days and he checked in with his insurance company and, and uh, reported everything and told that it would be totaled. And so then he started looking for, for another car. And he was looking in the newspapers there. Uh, this was out in California, and he would call us to tell us what he had seen. And, and there were two cars, uh, the same model, the same make, uh, about the same year, that were available. And they seemed like they would be an excellent choice. And, a, and the price was right for both of them, either one of those. And so he was anxious uh, to get something. What do you suppose he was anxious to get? The check from the insurance company. Yeah. So, but he kept checking the mail and there was no check when he checked the mail. And so he called the company and they said, well, we've got to go through our procedures and it'll be coming to you. And, and he called me all frustrated. He said, but I've got to get this car while it's available. One of these has got to be the right one. And so he, I said, well, you know, we'll see what happens and we'll be praying for you. And the check still didn't come. And then he looked back in the newspaper, you know, the current newspaper, and those cars were gone. So he's so disappointed. And he called me and he said, Dad, they're gone. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I said, well, think about it. The Lord cares for you and we've been praying and perhaps he actually delayed the check from coming because he knows that a better car is going to be on the market when the check does come. And that's going to be the car he really wants for you. He doesn't want you to have a, a substandard car, so to speak. He wants you to have the best one that's coming up. He said, oh, I didn't think of that. He said, okay. 
And so the check came in two or three more days, and then he looked in the newspaper. Sure enough, here was another about the same. It was the same make, the same model, about the same year. He checked it out. Turns out it was owned by a mechanic, but it was his wife's car, so you know he took good care of it. It. <laughs> And actually, he, he was able to purchase that car for a very good price, and it lasted him 10 years with almost no problems at all. Well, God anticipates disappointments. We don't, but he does. We come here to the, 14, to the 16th chapter of... Mark, and we're looking at verse 9 and onward. And it tells about the first day of the week. There in verse 9, it says, Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast those seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So what were they? They were disappointed, weren't they? And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they all rejoiced. Is that what it says? Since they did not believe. They were too disappointed to believe any good news. So do you know that the Christian church started with the great disappointment? It really did. The greatest disappointment. Because they were expecting something different than what they got. They thought Jesus would fulfill all their hopes and dreams. Oh, wait a second. Jesus would fulfill all whose hopes and dreams? Theirs. That's the problem, isn't it? When you get the us in there, the I in there, there's the problem. They should have been hoping that Jesus would fulfill all of God's dreams and plans, right? Hopes and dreams. That's what they should have been hoping for. That's what they should have been looking for. You see, they were not captivated with God's hopes and dreams. They were not thinking that God wanted a kingdom not of this world. He wanted to deliver people from sin and to make them into the likeness of Jesus. That's God's hopes and dreams. But they didn't appreciate His ways of establishing a kingdom. That His ways were better. His ways were higher than their ways. Though they were different, they were better. They didn't realize that his were the ways of tenderness. Theirs were the ways of force and power. That kind of deliverance. His ways were the ways of tenderness and humility and sacrifice. Very different. But much more powerful in dealing with sin. Force doesn't deal with sin. Not really. 
It's love and humility. It's truth and tenderness. That's what really deals with sin. And so the disciples were disappointed with the greatest disappointment. Now, the Seventh-day Adventist church also started with a disappointment. It was in 1844 when the early Adventists, then called the Millerites because they were following the teachings of William Miller here in the United States. And then there were other people somewhere in, there was a good portion of people in Great Britain, others in Scandinavia, some in Israel, some in South America, some in other places. People all over the world were studying the books of Daniel and Revelation. And they came to the conclusion that the prophecies could be understood and that they were being fulfilled by historical events and that there would be one great event that would happen in 1844. And what did they think it was? The second coming of Christ to fulfill all their hopes and dreams. All whose? All theirs. Now... They made the same mistake, didn't they? Human nature. We all have it. And it's easy to follow human nature rather than to really understand God's Word. And so, they expected Jesus to return. Now think about it. What if Jesus had returned in 18? How many people would have been going, would have been prepared and going to heaven? There are about 30,000 people in the United States, and I imagine that number among the other places I mentioned. So 60,000 who were looking for his coming? Well, that's a small number compared to people right now who are looking for the coming of Jesus. Look at all that would have missed out. Did God have a better plan? He did. He just wanted to start the process toward preparing a people who would be a grand number of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people who would be ready for the coming of Jesus. So that when we go to heaven, it won't be just some tens of thousands, but it will be millions. What a plan. Now turn over to Revelation chapter 10. Keep your place here in Mark because we're going to come back. But Revelation chapter 10 has some interesting things to show us and to show the, the Millerites. Revelation 10, and we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but we'll start with verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven. This is Revelation chapter 10, verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. And I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth, but as sweet as honey in your mouth. Verse 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. Well, this was a description of the Advent movement of the 1830s and 40s. What was the little book that was now open? 
the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, Daniel was told by the Lord, shut up the book and seal it until when? The time of the end. And so that means that at the time of the end, what would happen to the book of Daniel? It would be open. And so here he is. And if we read the whole chapter, we'd realize this is the end time, the time of the end. And the angel, the messenger of the Lord, has the little book. And is Daniel a big book or a little book? It's little compared to Isaiah and Psalms and things like that. And here's this little book, but now it's opened and he's told to eat it. And the prophet is representing the people of God who when you eat a book or digest a book, you, you, we've heard that terminology, haven't we? And that's studying it and understanding it and, and getting a message from it. And when they got the message, oh, it was sweet because what did they think? Jesus is coming again. But then what would, what's this bitter part in the stomach? He didn't come. A bitter disappointment. But the, here they ate it. They ate the book of Daniel. They digested it. But then it was bitter. A bitter experience. So let's look at the parallels between the bitter disappointment at the beginning of the Christian church and then the bitter disappointment at the beginning of the Adventist movement. First of all, if you go back to chapter four, uh, 16 of Mark, chapter 16 of Mark, and you notice in verse 10, it says, she, told, she went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and wept. So the disciples of Jesus mourned and wept. How long did they mourn and weep? Well, what day was this? This was Sunday morning, the first day of the week. When did they start mourning and weeping? Friday, when they died on the cross, they went back and they hid themselves away from the authorities. They were afraid they were going to be next. And so all Sabbath, all through the night, Friday night, all through the Sabbath, through Saturday night, and then Sunday morning, they're still weeping and mourning. It was a bitter disappointment that they were experiencing. Now, what about in 1844? Well, the, the stories, the, uh, the first-hand experiences of the people were that they wept all through the night, that night when they expected Jesus to come and he didn't return. And so mourning and weeping. Now, let's see, another thing, if we go back to chapter, if we're here in, in Mark 16, and we look at verse 9, who did Jesus appear to? A woman. Did he appear first to the disciples? No. He appeared to Mary. Did anybody else see Jesus there? No, it according to this account. Now, there are other accounts that talk about other experiences. Here it's talking about first to Mary Magdalene. And she, doesn't say they, but it says she went and told the others. So he used a woman. Jesus appeared to her. And others didn't see him the same way she saw him. Now, in the 1840s, did God use a woman? Yes. Did he appear to her? Did he appear to her? This is Ellen White we're talking about. Ellen Harmon at the time when she first started out her, her uh, maiden name. Right over here in Maine is when this happened. And he appeared to her... And was it such that other people didn't see what she saw? 
Yes, because he appeared to her in visions. Other people didn't see those same visions. Now, she got to talk to them and tell them about it, and they could confirm things with the Bible, couldn't they? Because she, she had to be tested by the Bible. But she, uh, she was uh, getting um, visions of God that others didn't see. Now, let's look at something else here. If we go back over to um, verse 12 now. We're in Mark chapter 16, and look at verse 12. And after that, that means after Mary had been uh, receiving this, this uh, appearance of Jesus, and she told, but they didn't believe. But then it says in verse 12, after that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So it wasn't just Mary they didn't believe. They didn't believe these other two as well. But notice, two were walking in the country, and Jesus appeared to them in another form. And the others didn't get to see that. Well, do you know, in 1844, after the disappointment, there were two men who had been part of the followers of Jesus who were expecting the coming of Jesus. And these two men, they were named Hiram Edson and O.R.L. Crozier. So Edson and Crozier were living over, just over in, in New York State. And they were part of a group there that had been studying. They were from all different religious backgrounds, but they were looking for the coming of Jesus because of the prophecy. And of course, Jesus hadn't come, and they were disappointed. But they, they realized that the Bible is still true. They must have made the mistake. And they prayed about it, and they had, if they continued studying the Bible, God would help them to understand what the Bible really meant. And so they, they, they got some courage from that because they'd been praying about it. And they had been so disappointed. But now some courage was coming back and they thought, well, we need to go and visit the other farmers who were part of our group. And the two of us, we can share our testimony of how God has gladdened our hearts that there is still truth in the Scripture to discover that will clarify everything for us. And so they were cutting across a field to go to the neighbor farm when as they were going, the Lord provided a vision for Brother Edson and he saw into heaven and he saw a heavenly sanctuary and Jesus as our high priest. And he was told by the angel to study the book of Hebrews. Now, is there anything in the book of Hebrews about a heavenly sanctuary? There surely is. Chapters 8 and 9 tell all about it. And is Jesus our high priest there according to the scriptures? Yes, they had missed that though, hadn't they? They hadn't seen that. They hadn't gotten into that. And the Holy Spirit hadn't revealed it yet, but now he was beginning to reveal it. And they saw things that nobody else had seen yet. But when they got over to the other farm, they told them about it and people started to study the book of Hebrews and they saw how it tied into Daniel and how it tied into Revelation and things began to unfold that they had never discovered before and things that made the story of Jesus as our Savior and High Priest and Judge started to fall into place and so just like there were two men in the first great disappointment so there were two men God used in the second great disappointment. Isn't that interesting? And then 
when they went and told, when these in, in uh, Mark chapter 16, when the two men that God had, had appeared to in a special way, they went and told in verse 13, it says, they told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So the, the disciples who hadn't been with Mary and who hadn't been with the two on the road out in the countryside, when they heard the testimony, did they have a hard time accepting it? They surely did. It says right here. Why? Because their eyes were too filled with tears and their heart was too filled with disappointment so that they didn't really hear it at first. Now, did Jesus give up on them? No, He didn't. He didn't at all. In fact, then we find how He appeared to them himself and then they began to listen to Jesus and to let him help with these other things that had been revealed to the individuals now were become it was a becoming a group process and they all began to study more and pray together more and come into a unity of belief of what was really going on why there had been a disappointment and what really was happening with God creating a kingdom and not of this world. And so in the 1844 time, the people who listened to Edson and Crozier and Ellen White and James White and others, and as they started to hear these things, was it easy for them to accept it all real quick? No. Now that's a good thing though, isn't it? Because isn't it better to go back to the Bible and have to have it proven in the Bible before you accept it? That's right. That's the way it should be. And if somebody comes to you and says, I have a new idea about God, then what should you ask? Show me in the Bible. Show me in the Bible. And we want to see it in the Bible. Now, if we see it in the Bible, but it contradicts another part of the Bible, then what? Better keep studying because there shouldn't be any contradictions, right? There can't be any contradictions. God is not the author of confusion. And so we have to keep on studying until everything fits together in a way that makes the whole word compatible and understandable. So that's what they did in 1844. They began to keep on studying, to look further, to search more in the scriptures, to see whether the things seen by Ellen White or seen by Edson or Crozier or anybody else, they wanted to have it seen in the word. Now, notice um, that not only did they have this difficulty, but then when Jesus appeared, look at verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. That's the upper room here in this situation. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now, notice, here they are. They're disappointed. They're fearful. They're hurting, they're mourning and weeping, and he comes along and rebukes them. Now, would you like a rebuke when you're feeling down and low? That's, I mean, that's like getting kicked when you're down, right? Except our God's ways are ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. Can there be different ways of rebuking? Yeah. 
In fact, when Jesus rebukes, he rebukes with something in his voice. What does he rebuke with? With tears in his voice. And some said tenderness. That fits together with the tears, doesn't it? What do the tears represent? Why would there be tears in his voice when he rebukes? Passion. Passion for what? Compassion. And yearning. Empathy. In other words, he says, I know you're hurting. I know you're down. I understand where you're at. But really, there's hope here that you're not seeing. Let me help you. You need to recognize there's unbelief in your disappointment. There's hardness of heart in your weeping. Can that be? Let's look at it together a moment. He rebuked them for their unbelief. Unbelief in what? That he's alive? He had sent them two or three witnesses already. And did he, did, he, did he send them anything before that? What? All right, before he even died, he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And the third day, I will rise. He said, you know, there's unbelief mixed in here. You're missing something. You, 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 you didn't pay close attention. You've got to pay close attention to what I share with you. Does Jesus share with us stuff that's just flim-flam, that's just superficial, doesn't care whether, doesn't matter whether we get it or not? No, what He shares with us are things that are important for our souls, for our hearts, for our lives, our characters, our eternal destiny. We've got to get it. And we've got to get it. And we've got to what? Smell the roses. We had someone here today say, did you smell the fragrance of the flowers on the way in? Often we just walk by and say, oh yeah, that's pretty, let's go. You know? But we've got to smell the roses of the beauty of the gospel, the good news. Drink it in. Let it become part of us. Let it reach our hearts and our souls. And so, Jesus is saying, you, you know, you missed some things. In, in Mark 19, in the Gospel of, uh, not Mark 19, uh, chapter 9, <laughs> verse 31, it says, And he taught the disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is, is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he's killed, he will rise the third day. So he had told them, but they had missed it. Now, had the Millerites missed anything? Well, what about Revelation 10? Was Revelation 10 in the Bible back in 1844? It was. It was. But did they understand it? No. Now, um, they felt pretty good about believing the prophecies of the Bible because what they, what they had looked into pointed that Jesus they, this is what they thought. Jesus was coming. 1844. Right there time. This is it. Everything's going to be complete. We've got it all. But did they have it all? They didn't have it all. And so they missed something that was there 
that could have helped them. They were just like in the first disappointment. They had missed their part and 1844, we missed something that would have helped us. When, what about 2016? Could there be some things that we think we already have it all and there's some things that we haven't seen yet? Hmm. Something to consider. Do we still search for gems of truth beautiful insights into God's story that maybe we haven't clearly understood yet? Do we want to have our hearts burn within us like those two who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus? Well, there in Revelation 10, uh, I didn't read it, but let's go back there. It's, a, it's an important verse. If, if you've still got it, good. And if you haven't, you can listen on or you can turn back to Revelation 10. The last verse, verse 11. This is after the sweetness on the mouth, the bitter in the stomach. So the bitter disappointment has taken place. And then verse 11 says, And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Now, who's going to listen to people who've made such a huge blunder to believe that Jesus is coming in 1844 and he doesn't come? Who's going to listen to people like that? God says here, he predicted here, that their message would go all over the world. Do you know that the Seventh-day Adventist message is in more countries than any other Protestant church in, in, in the whole world? God has made this happen. It's amazing. It's a miracle. But he has made it happen. The sad part is that if we look at all Christian giving, not just Adventist giving, but Christian giving, I just saw this. 90% of Christian giving goes to what part of the world? The work in North America. 90% of the money goes to support Christian work in North America whereas North America is less than 10% of the world's population the continent of Asia is 60% of the world's population but they're getting less than 10% of the giving isn't that something just in the country of India there are 600,000 villages that have never heard the story of Jesus. I can't even conceive of that. So there's, a, there's still a lot to be done. Now, can God do a lot in a short amount of time? Yes, He can do that. Do we believe that God wants to reach, reach all those villages? All those people? Is He waiting to get to them? Yes. Do you believe... Do we believe that He can bless our efforts to reach them? And do we long to be part of it? To be part of His efforts to draw them and to save them? So, there's still a question of belief. Do we believe? Now, what was the other thing He rebuked them for back there in Mark chapter 16? For their unbelief and their hardness of hearts 
Boy, hardness of heart. It's hard for me to think of the disciples being hard of heart, especially compared to other people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, you know, some of them. But Jesus said he rebuked, it says here that Jesus rebuked them of their hardness of heart. Well, what was the hardness? Well, they were hard of heart concerning the testimony of Mary. Here comes Mary. She says, I've seen him at the tomb. Jesus is alive. And how did they receive it? It can't be. It can't be. We can't believe that. And what about the two men who had, who had walked with Jesus to the countryside and they came running all the way back and they said, we've seen Jesus, we've talked with Him. He opened all the Scriptures and He showed us how He's fulfilled all the prophecies in this wonderful. Oh, we can't take that in. That can't be. That's hardness of heart not to hear those testimonies, not to really receive them. But what do we do on Testimony Sabbath? Do we sit back and say, oh well, just another person sharing something. How do we respond when somebody says, I want to tell what the Lord has done for me. Do we say, oh boy, this is going to take too long. This is going to be boring. Jesus desires His people to be like Him, having tender hearts, not hard hearts. Rejoicing with those who rejoice, and what? Weeping with those who weep. That's what He wants. That's God's dream, having people like Jesus. So life comes with disappointments. What about your personal disappointments? Maybe you, maybe you don't have the education you wish you could have. You didn't have opportunities in that area like other people that you know. Maybe your business hasn't taken off the way you like. Maybe your marriage has troubles that you didn't anticipate. Maybe your children have gotten into difficulties that are hard to bear. Maybe your house, your dream house has become a nightmare house because the contractor wasn't fair maybe the church has disappointed you and you feel cut down by the people you should trust the most are you disappointed are you receptive in your disappointment are you receptive to encouraging messages from God that's what the disciples had before them. Encouraging messages from Mary. Encouraging messages from the two. But they were closed to those things. Are you open? Will you receive encouraging messages from God? And when you see, if you will receive some, your heart will, make, will be enabled to receive more. And you'll have greater and greater encouragement and power from them. Your spirit will be lifted and then you can help lift others. Your testimony of what God did for you will to speak to the hearts of others. There was a woman just uh, two days ago over in Franklin, somebody who's loosely connected to our church. 
someone that uh, Steve and I see from time to time. And she was out with her vehicle, and her brakes gave trouble. Thursday was the day for brakes to break down. I'm hoping your car made it through okay. I don't know if it was a uh, full moon or something. But, but her, she, something was going wrong with the car, and she didn't know what it was, and she pulled into a, a, an auto parts place and thought maybe somebody there could help because she didn't know what it was. The car would hardly move, and it was shaking. And, and uh, Anyway, so she was there, and the person inside came out, couldn't really, wasn't a mechanic. But then this white pickup truck pulled up right next to her car. He got out and was talking and looked around and he uh, explained he's a mechanic with a shop nearby. Follow me over to my shop and I'll see what I can do. Well, the car still didn't work right on the way over to the shop, but it made it. And he checked it out and turns out that it was a master cylinder that was causing the brakes to clamp up and to uh, not let the car run properly. And, uh, and he was willing to fix it the next day. That would be Friday. He would order, he found a part nearby that wasn't too expensive and uh, ordered it with her permission. And it would come in Friday morning, first thing, and he would have it fixed by probably 10.30. And he gave her the price, which was an excellent price. And so everything looked good. But then Friday morning came, and uh, and turns out at 10.30, instead of the car being fixed, he hadn't even gotten the part. And now she didn't know when it would be fixed, and I talked to her at about noontime. That's when it was, about noontime. And she still hadn't heard back from him. She was hoping that he would have gotten the part, and that he would have called already back and say, your car's fixed. And uh, it was, she hadn't heard anything. And so now she was worrying. Well, now maybe I won't have the car for the whole weekend. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I explained to her. I said, well, you know, think about this. Here's this gentleman that the Lord sent to the right place at the right time for you. Oh, you avoided a towing bill. You avoided getting a mechanic who was a scam artist who could have charged you four times as much very easily. Yep. She told him there in the parking lot, I've only got $27. <laughs> and he said, just don't worry, we'll find a way to work around that. I said, he's, the Lord sent, all, sent this man with all this. Now Friday morning comes, and your part is not there. Maybe the Lord delayed your part from getting there because maybe another person needed this man on Friday morning and this person has an urgent thing to care for with their vehicle in the afternoon. You don't even need your vehicle in the afternoon. You really don't need it all weekend. You just want it. You know how we all feel better when our car, we have our car, and it's safe and sound in our driveway. And that's what she wanted. I said, but maybe there's somebody else who needs the, 
the kind of help that this man gave you. And because your part was delayed, this person could come right in with their vehicle, get it fixed real quick, while your part is on its way. Does God work that way sometimes? Are we the only ones in the world that God is caring for? We all need to learn this. It's so, it's so easy to get flustered and disappointed and let disappointment rule the day. This is not the time for disappointment. This is not the time in earth's history for us to get discouraged with events and situations. This is a time for faith, for courage, for hope, for expectancy. For the Lord has promised to come again. And He will overcome the devil's power to keep people in His grasp, to hold them in enslavement to the things of this world. God will have a people who will overcome, who will be victorious, and who will be channels of His delivering power to others. We are to be that people. The disciples heard the call to be God's people to be His messengers. And God worked in them and through them in such a mighty way that it went all over the world. Will you and I respond? Will we believe? Will we trust? Will we step forward in service? A service that's specially made for each one of us. That we can be channels of His grace at this time in our history. Let's pray. Oh, our Heavenly Father, we don't want to be stuck in disappointment and discouragement. We want to thrive in faith, believing that Your ways are better than our ways. That when there's disappointment for us, it may be just the time when someone else's prayers are getting answered. And so may we live in such faith that there's victory, there's expectancy, there's courage moment by moment. And that you can work through us to provide deliverance for those around us. That together we can move forward into your eternal kingdom. Take us, Lord. Use us, Lord. And we'll give you the victory, give you the honor, give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take our hymnals and we turn to hymn number 202. Number 202, Hail Him, the King of Glory. Let's stand as we sing it together.
Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.